Hey folks, Brock Lurie on the Brock Lurie Podcast. Uh, this is so exciting to talk to you about uh, one major new development, which is the publication of Atheism Destroys. It's finally come out. Uh, so many of you have been so patient about this, and I know that I'd been saying that it was going to be coming out, coming out, uh, you know, like a month ago and so on. But we had some uh, setbacks, uh, particularly with my my parents. Uh, they needed a lot of elderly care, and we had some crises there. But all is good now. They're all set up uh, appropriately and uh, respectfully, and everything is great. And now my book is out, Atheism Destroys. And it is really about the great unraveling in many ways of a world without God, right? Without God, we, we don't have family. Without God, we don't have relationships. We don't even know what sex is. We don't know uh, what free speech is. We don't know what courage is. Law and order itself collapses, um, and there's no meaning, ultimately. And atheism, and my, my argument is, destroys all those things. And we see it. We see it time and time again. And over these past few decades, and especially, I would say, in the last decade or so, we're seeing this racing toward this unraveling. And you see it all the time, right? I mean, you have the immigration crisis in the southern border. To me, that's a horrible unraveling. Uh, You also have inflation and the economy itself running out of control, getting out of control with the the supply chain issue. Um, Then you have what happened in Afghanistan. Uh, You have this smash and grab uh, phenomenon in the collapse of, uh, in, in San Francisco, L.A., and many other major cities. People just are not observing law. Uh, and tied to that, of course, is the uh, notion of no bail or extremely low bail. And then they're so surprised that people commit more and more crimes. So that is an unraveling. And it's a confusion, and it's a result of confusing good for bad and bad for good, moral and immoral, uh, right and wrong. And for that matter, we're also confusing man and woman, right? I mean, think about all these things that they are trying to destroy. Uh, and it was the last chapter, one of the last chapters in my previous book, Atheism Kills, where I say that, that you ultimately destroy distinctions. That's what happens when you no longer have God in your life. And in civilization, if we do it you know, wholeheartedly, then that collapses too. And for all these things, we're going to have a guest today. And I'm so pleased to introduce Daniela Bloom. Uh, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, LMFT. She's uh, America's premier relationship and dating authority. Goes, uh, and she goes underneath the headlines to bridge the gap between what's going on in our personal relationships today and what's going on in our nation and the world at large. She's also the founder of Free Arts, which is Daniela's candid, comedic, and no-nonsense approach to dating, relationships, and now politics, brings a fresh view to audiences around the world. She's also a frequent guest on television and radio shows, and also a keynote speaker. I think she was just recently at the Jewish Republican Alliance. Very good uh, speech, by the way, that you gave. And she's also uh, involved um, on other shows, such as the John and Ken Show, which I know you had a lot of fun with and uh, NBC's Nightly News, Fox and Friends, and she's also been featured on Fox News, Medium, Huffington Post, and also endorsed by Dennis Prager. You know, you had me at Dennis Prager, right? Okay, that's, that's the cool thing. She's a mom of three. Uh, she's also the number one best-selling author of the multi-award-winning Under the Tree children's series, 
that reminds readers of all ages on Judeo-Christian universal lessons on love and life. You know what I love about this, by the way, Daniela, um, is that you said you're a mom of three first and then that you're the author. I love that. <laughs> anyway, welcome to The Bruckler Show. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here, Barack. Well, it's a pleasure. We, we have so much to talk about. Uh, what you don't know, my dear listener, is that uh, Danielle and I had a great phone conversation, I don't know, a couple of days ago before this podcast, and we were just laughing hysterically, and it was so much fun. And uh, in addition, she's got this new podcast, um, and I, I'm not going to say the actual word because it's uh, a little bit vulgar, but she's got a podcast called Make America F Again. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually my colleagues. It's my colleagues' podcast. I'm going to be on a guest on that show very soon. Right. Um, but I encourage her to launch it because there's definitely a need for free-thinking content uh, under these subjects. Right. <laughs> well, what, what's so interesting about this is, and it, it dovetails nicely into um, what, what I've always been talking about, and our listeners know, about how we are losing the notion of family relationships, and even sex itself. Uh, in, in many ways, relationships are really dying. Uh, and that's what you're all about, right? I mean, we know that marriage is dying, right? People are just not getting married. I, you know, I, I love my sister, but she's not married. You know, she has a kid with her, you know, whatever you want to call them, call them a paramour, uh, something like that. But whatever, you know, they'll have kids, they'll have, um, they'll have uh, other people in their lives that, uh, and other sorts of obligations, but that marriage, well, it's just a piece of paper, so what's the point, right? That's the way they think about it. Never mind, of course, that there are a whole bunch of legal implications, but they don't care about that. They, they, they've got it all figured out. You see, they know better than all of history why they shouldn't get married, right? P.S., one of the great reasons to get married is that uh, there's the uh, husband-wife privilege, the spousal privilege. If you, if you don't get married, then and you're in litigation for some reason, then your uh, adversary can take a deposition of your boyfriend or girlfriend, and that's that. You can't do anything about it, right? And, and figure out all the communications, emails, you know, pillow talk, whatever it might be, they can get it out of her or him. It's, it's terrifying, so especially if you're a you know, high-stakes roller, if you're more than a janitor or whatever. I mean, if, if you're a lawyer, a, a financial advisor, somebody who might, for, from time to time, be involved in litigation, mm -hmm. they, can, they can grab that information. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that people don't want to get married because they don't want the obligation of, of marriage, right? They, they, they feel it's so hard to get out of it, but no problem. They'll have kids. They'll have the, the, the trappings of family. They can pretend they're family but without any of the obligations. Woohoo! Aren't they awesome? They're so clever. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I really want to talk about your work as a relationship expert, yeah. okay? And what you are seeing on the front lines. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Just piggybacking up on what you're saying about why, especially millennials uh, and Gen Z don't want to get married today. Mm. Um, first of all, a lot of them have seen very uh, destructive expensive divorces. And we are in this me generation where it's become uncomfortable to be uncomfortable. That the idea of accepting things as they are and just making the best of it is no longer as trendy. Like people from the, the paradox of choice phenomenon, where we have mm -hmm. 
social media and we have dating apps and we have tons of shows from all over the world. We're just inundated with information that it's very easy and very accepted to just change your circumstance. Um, I, you know, personally, my other tagline is um, I've seen it all and been through it myself. So why I... I'm, I'm, I'm recognized as an authority is because I did do all the traditional things right. I got married very young. I manifested a nice Jewish doctor. He didn't turn out so nice later. But anyway, um, we had the three kids, the private schools. Like I, I manifested everything I was told I was to manifest and, and then I, therefore I should be satisfied. And a phenomenon happened in my mid-30s that happened. I thought I was the only one experiencing it. It turns out um, after I filed for divorce, um, a whole niche burst. And I be, first became LA's premier divorce, a success coach before America's Authority. And I just saw the same themes over and over again in these marriages. And I, it became kind of like my mission to like empower, especially the singles today, on what long-term partnership is, because anyone can get married. But how do you stay married in a healthy, fulfilling relationship? Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite um, psychologists on this, uh, Terrence Real, I highly recommend you guys check out his books. Um, he says, we marry our unfinished business. So whether that comes out now later or much later, it's coming out. And the more you know what your own wounds and flaws are and not displace it on someone else's because that's just the easy thing to do Mm. and understand that the relationship is the moving entity that keeps changing so you grow together with it, that is the recipe for a long-term partnership. I love that. That's that's really fascinating. Um, One of the things I I wanted to ask you and, and your take, if you want, because um, I've always seen a very strong relationship between marriage on the one hand and God on the other. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I say this to my atheist friends all the time, and I, I have more than enough uh, atheist friends. And I know as an atheist, when I was an atheist rather, uh, that I also wondered, what's the point of marriage? Why, why get married? I don't, I don't get it. You know, you're here on the planet for only X number of years. Uh, and as a guy, you know, if, if one of your things, your thrills is just to have a lot of sex, well, then go for it. You know, why, why stick with one woman? What's, what's your problem? I mean, that's crazy. You know, have a lot of different women and, 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 uh, and then you die. Okay, thanks. Have a nice day sort of thing. And there's, there's no point. And why would you even have kids for that matter? So that's, that's a relationship as well. I, I, I pose that question to every atheist that I see. Do you have any kids? Uh, I've, I've won. They, they never have like more than two and three. Once somebody tells me they have three, I, I figure that they probably are believers. If they're four, for sure they're believers, okay? Um, but, I, but if they have one kid, two kids, I say, why? Why'd you have those kids? They don't have an answer for that either. But going back to marriage, uh, in my own personal uh, relationship, I, I love my wife. She's wonderful. Um, but, and we've been married for 18 years, more than 18 years, and we've been together for more than 19 years. And, you know, their marriage is a tough business. It's, you know, have to kind of constantly give and take and a lot of compromise involved. And I, I got to tell you, if, if I didn't believe in God, I think that I would have gotten out a long time ago. Through any hard time, I would say, well, why am I in, in this marriage thing? Just because it's a piece of paper and um, I can, you know, enjoy something else, you know, maybe be alone, maybe be with another woman. 
be with a, a series of women. Maybe maybe be poly, uh, polyamorous. Mm-hmm. Why not join a, a club of people and we would just, you know, have sex with each other, you know, in this kind of exclusive club of five or six people. You're all good. And, and that's happening, by the way, but a lot. And all these people are, are not God believers, right? Um, they have no sense of why, why marriage is even there in the first place. And they have no sense of marriage's role in civilization. They have no sense of why family, and as a nuclear family, is the most critical aspect of civilization. They have no sense of fathers. None, right? They have no sense of the role of mothers or of fathers, yeah. right? They understand that women are the ones that give birth and, and you know, uh, you know, breastfeed them, take care of them in the basics and such like that. But father's not necessary for sure. Um, so marriage, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And, and I guess one of the things I would love to, to, to know from you is from your clientele that seeks your help uh, in the marriage department, um, do you see any pattern when it comes to those who are more observant in terms of embracing God in their lives and those who are not so observant? Uh, I would definitely say so. I think when people come with a conscience, when people have a fundamental understanding that life is not meant to be easy, that there are curveballs and that things happen to us, not to, things happen for us, not to us, um, those people are going to tend to be more successful, not just in relationships, but in life in general. Mm-hmm. And in terms of you know, when you have some sort of devotion, when you understand that there's something greater than yourself going on, that things are not just random, um, you understand that you are a part of that as well. So there has to be personal responsibility and accountability. Things are not just random, which easily means you can't just say, well, since it's random, it's all their fault, right? Mm -hmm. So when I work with someone who has an understanding of something greater than themselves, they are also more receptive to work and communication and accountability. Um, there are a lot of marriages. There is another phenomenon going on. Um, my colleague um, wrote a book on this called Married Roommates, where people are married, but it's just going through the motions. Yeah. It's just life in tandem. And... That doesn't feel great either. Yeah. That doesn't feel great either. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why people um, stray or they do something destructive because they want to feel that aliveness. Right. So the key is to finding that balance. How do you keep renewing your marriage energetically mm-hmm. so it feels challenging, so it feels fresh? Because your partner and you are not the same people when you first got married. Children mm-hmm. change you. Jobs change you. Politics mm-hmm. change you. Let's mm-hmm. not get into that. <laughs> um, oh, we will. We will. <laughs> which we can. Um, it's my second favorite thing to talk about. Um, but, you know, as, as long as you keep adjusting and appreciating the person that you are becoming, that they are becoming, that's how you have a chance. And sometimes people get stuck. Sometimes people are like, but this is not how you were or how I thought of you when I met you. And, 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 and what are you doing? What do you mean you want to you know, make your own impact. What's changed? Like there's so many things that can affect the dynamic in a marriage that can be very, very personal Mm -hmm. 
if someone takes it personally, as opposed to the evolution of the relationships. You know, if with everything in life, when we negotiate a lease in the building or we renew a car, there's always some new terms. Why can't that apply to marriage too? We have to keep growing together. That's the only way to salvation and love and success and abundance. Oh. God, that is so beautiful. I love it. And, and it's a couple of things that you said that kind of triggered some ideas. And, and I got triggered, okay? I got triggered oh no. Oh no. big time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Uh, one of the things that, you know, when you have kids, and, and obviously you, you have kids uh, that they were two and three years old, four years old, once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And you, you remember this phrase, parallel playing, mm-hmm. right? Where... What does that mean? For those of you who don't have kids, it means that you have a play date, but the kid just kind of, each of your kids plays kind of on their own, but they might be right next to each other, but they're not really engaged in the same play. So for example, Legos, you want to build something together. Mm -hmm. So uh, later on in their lives, when they're six or seven, they start playing together. They say, okay, that piece belongs here. Let's do this here. You know, where you want to go here, you want to do this, let's do this slide. Let's imagine that we are in Star Wars or whatever. I'm Darth Vader and you'll be Luke or whatever. And uh, that's, that's engaging. And what you said about married roommates makes me think about that. Because a lot of people, they're sharing the mortgage, it's cheaper or whatever it is, uh, but they kind of show up, they do their particular uh, role, whatever that might be. Um, the cooking on the one hand, uh, the taking out the garbage on the other hand, and, and that's it, you know, but is there a real connection? Or, or, or are they just parallel playing? And I think there's something to that. Uh, and then another point that you made, which made me think, it triggered me yet again. Thanks for triggering me. Uh, I'm offended. Uh, so that's, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting there. I just, I, I, I'll forgive you. But anyway, uh, the thing that triggered me was the um, notion of w- what marriage is. And I, I, would, I think it's fair to say that, you know, in one of the many things about marriage is that you are, you are to bring out the best in each other, right? You, you are partners with each other. And, I, and people use that phrase a little too loosely, but I mean like to bring out the best in your other half and to make that feeling, uh, sorry, to make that uh, other half grow in the best way that you can. So with my wife, for example, uh, you know, I, I bring in the male, I, I bring in the masculine side of things and uh, hopefully I, I, I help her when she's kind of goes a, a little bit more on the emotional side and that's, that's normal. Uh, I'm able to kind of like put things in perspective a little bit. And likewise, in reverse, um, when I'm a little too, um, you know, to the point, uh, too, you know, too logical, too, uh, what's, what's wrong with this? She'll say, yeah, have you thought about this? You know, she'll, she'll make me see the more intangible side. And you know what? She's right. Uh, and hopefully I'm right from time to time about that. But it's just, if we see each other that way, that we're compliments to each other rather than just trying to get our way all the time, I think that great things can happen. And, and here's the ultimate question. Okay, so this is something I've grappled with. And, and Daniela, you, you don't know me that well, but I always, I have a way of saying, I, I call it um, negative logic, which means I ask, why are things the way they are, right? So... For example, why, why is it that there's man and woman, right? If God, I believe in, in God fiercely, right? I, I know that there's a God. And if God wants us to reproduce, then why didn't he just make us so that we, I don't know, you know, take up a little bit of our fingernail, plant it in the ground, water it, and then up, up comes another Baruch Lurie, 
right? And all of us can just multiply that way. We wouldn't have to, you know, have this push and pull of male and female and, and all that stuff. Why, why, why just make it easy for everyone? So it begs the question, why, why do we have it? Why is there male and female? And I put it to you, I've come, you know, once you ask the question, the answer already comes, doesn't it? That perhaps the reason why we have male and female is precisely to bring out the best in each other and to grow better. Because if you, if you have a kid together, then that kid is literally half genetically him and half genetically her. That's the way it works. And it's not just that. It's also the values that are constantly pushing and pulling. And then that person becomes, that kid becomes somebody, a new person in his own right. And then he in turn marries somebody else and, and the process continues. I think, I think God wants us to constantly question ourselves, constantly seek out science and logic and, and new wonders so that we get closer and closer to God. That's my take on it. Why there's male and female in the first place, right? I mean, it didn't have to be that way, but here we are. So anyway, uh, we talked before about, you know, your, your, you call them patients or clients? Clients. Clients, okay. So, because my wife calls them clients also. So I, she's a therapist too. So among your clients, uh, do you see a pattern where those who are just don't have any God in their lives, uh, that they have, they're more at risk in their marriage? Absolutely. Just like I said before, because when someone feels there's no order or there's nothing greater than them or everything is random, then they have no agency or onus to things that happen. And they're not receptive to how potentially they were a part of manifesting this. Or it's a chance that God is giving you an opportunity to transcend this. Um, They just get more irritable. (laughs) So uh, as life gets more complicated, especially when you bring in children to the mix, because children bring out your own wounds. Uh, It is not for the faint of heart parenting. Um, And if you become, I feel that the more you disbelieve as you go off, go into life, the more rigid you become. And the opposite should be true. As life happens, you realize, wow, you know, life is easier when I accept, when I forgive, when I believe, when I feel blessed. And these are all qualities of believing in something greater than yourself. And we do need contrast. I mean, like you were saying about men and women, we are attracted to our partners and to people in general because there's something about them that we either need more of in our life or something about them that we, we like in ourselves. But either way, they can give us a perspective that we are better off with. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we have more information to go by, we have more power to transcend our own circumstances. This is what it's all about. I mean, I think in the first few lines of Genesis, God created Adam. It wasn't enough. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then he created Eve, and then it was good because now there's a contrast and the, and, and the idea of empowered masculine and empowered feminine is so lost today. It's so confusing between the Me Too movement, the feminist movement, the Western... Yeah, the, the transgenderism. You know, what am I this week? People <laughs> just forget that at the end of the day, we are hunter-gatherers. Women want to be pursued. Men want to pursue. Men want to take care of and provide. Women want to nurture. These are not things that be, should be shamed 
um, and minimized, we can still evolve and have amazing relationships where we do want men to be more communicative and we want them to have um, and, and not stonewall and just go into anger. You know, men do lack these skills. They really, really do. And today's modern relationship, many women require men not just to provide a paycheck. That's not even needed like before, but we want to be heard. And a lot of men, based on how they were raised, don't have those tools to just create the space and listen. Yeah, yeah. Ain't, ain't that the truth? Um, you know, it's something that we, we men all have to work on, and, and women have their own things to work on as well. Um, and, and I love that. I love that the constant process of discovery. You know, what, what does this mean to you, and how can I help you? And, you know, let me, let me hear, how was your day, sweetie? You know, it's, a, it's, so, it's, it's so phenomenal to me, like, just to say that phrase, how, how, how's your day? It's an interesting thing. Another thing I discovered, and I have a, a wonderful sister, both my, all my siblings are wonderful, and I have two sisters and one brother, so two and two. And I remember once she was going through a very painful breakup, and and I, I I wanted to make sure that I said the right thing. And all my siblings, my other siblings, said, "Okay, you know, you'll be better. Don't worry about this. You're going to find love again, and everything's going to be wonderful. And and you know, he doesn't deserve you, and all those things that that you sometimes hear." And all I wrote to my sister was, "I'm so sorry." I know just how you feel. And that was that. She wrote back a very loving letter saying, only you understood what I was going through. And I, I just, I try to use the magic phrase, you know, it's, it's um, and we just have to literally speak a different language sometimes. Yes. I tell this to my wife, by the way, and this is a very cute story, and so bear with me on this one. So, I'll ask you, but you're a marriage therapist. You might already know the answer. Okay, when, let's say your boyfriend, your, your ex-husband, um, has done something wrong, and now he's apologizing to you. And he means it sincerely. And he says, Daniela, you know, ah, that was awful what I said uh, last week. I really feel bad about it. I, you know what? I'm sorry. What's your response? I mean, for me, it would, it, it would immediately dip, dissipate. I mean, when someone sincerely... What, what, what do you say in response? What would my immediate response is, is thank you. Okay. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. okay, this is a classic woman's response. <laughs> okay? A, a, a woman will say, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, all right, then. You know, okay? Um, and then very often the joke is that's the beginning of the apologies process, <laughs> right? For <laughs> when, a, when a man says that. But, but the point is that thank you is, is nine times out of ten what a woman will say. I, okay, so, you know, you ask a man uh-huh. what that is. If we drag, what, okay, what a man will say when a, anybody, whether it's another man or, or his wife or whatever, says, you know, honey, I, what, I was out of my head the other day and I, I feel really bad about it and I, I'm so, so sorry about saying that. Mm-hmm. A man's response is, don't worry about it. That's all right. Yeah. Or, For, what forget about it. I forgot what you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it, can often, it can often just be, it's, it's forget about it. Yeah. Okay, that is the best answer for a man. Yeah. Okay? And so we need to speak each other's language. Right. And so my wife, uh, and I love her so much. She's, she's awesome. You would like her a lot. And uh, I want to get you two together just to compare notes and such. But mm-hmm. so I remember telling her, like, listen, I, I want to admit where I'm wrong as much as, but 
make it easy because I noticed that you say thank you and or I appreciate that whenever I do apologize and it doesn't stick very well for men. Mm-hmm. There's something, um, I, I, I don't want to say demasculating or emasculating about it. Um, it just, we feel like we can't move on. It's, it's, a, it's a weird response for us. And I, so I told her about this no problem business, that that might be the best answer. Say, ah, don't worry about it, forget about it. And I'll apologize right and left. You'll see. Mm-hmm. And she says, okay, that seems weird, but okay. She didn't understand the distinction. Yeah. So sure enough, two days later, um, I'm on the sofa, I'm watching TV, and I had promised to wash the dishes. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it, it literally happened exactly that way. And I had not cleaned the dishes. And so she came to the kitchen. She said, you know, Barack, you know, you said you're going to wash the dishes and it's still a mess here. And she was right. And I, I turned around and I said, oh, sweetie, you're so right. I'm, I, I said I was going to do it. I didn't do it. And I'm really sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I'm, I'm sorry. And so remembering what I had to, suggested to her, she's, she says, no problem. <laughs> and, it, and, it was, and it was so hard for her to say those words. And we laughed. I laughed so hard. And she laughed so hard. It was a very sweet moment, actually. But these small little words have such powerful words. Anyway, yeah. I, I don't, we don't need to get into the difference between men and women in that one. But two things that you said um, from before. One is um, the, this notion of better options. Okay? Mm-hmm. Very powerful what you said. It's like, there's actually a phrase for it called FOBO, fear of better right. options. Right. Or fear uh, of missing out. Of, of missing out yeah. also, right? FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and, and it's the way of, like, you imagine yourself having, uh, you know, 100 different ice cream flavors, right? It's really hard to choose. Mm-hmm. If you only had three, chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, yeah. okay, it's easier. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's why Apple iPhones, they, they get that. You only get black or white, mm-hmm. right, in different sizes. There's only so many combinations you can get. Mm-hmm. If they offered, like, a zillion different colors, mm-hmm. it, they would lose business, mm-hmm. ironically. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true with the dating scene. There's this notion that there's, there must be somebody better, more handsome, more powerful, more, uh, more uh, successful, whatever, taller. <laughs> All these different things that are out there. And there, so you have this constant refrain of looking over one's shoulder mm-hmm. uh, or looking over the other guy's shoulder, for example. And I, I talked about, about this a lot in my second book, Rise of the Sex Machines, mm-hmm. where this is a phenomenon that's going on and both men and women. Um, and one woman in particular says, you know, you just keep on going. And, you, and every week there's, you want to keep on checking your, your Tinder, Tinder box because there's another guy. There's another opportunity, another more fun. And she, one woman who had said that she, she was thinking about going the marriage route and being, you know, um, committed all the way. She said, you know, I've, in this past year I've probably had 52 men. You know, one, one a week, basically. Now, some of them are not all the more sexual, but some of them were, you know. Time. 52? Uh, you know, apparently she had the time. <laughs> uh, but look, if, if, you, if you're just kind of skating on, on the dating scene where you just kind of go for the intercourse or, or the, you know, passionate kiss or whatever it might be, okay. But, you know, neither he nor you are really thinking about, you know, continuing on with it the next day. It's just, it's something you do. In the same way that you might enjoy getting a cappuccino, right? You don't. You, you might have fifty-two cappuccinos every week. In fact, you probably have more than that than that every year. Uh, but 
that's, that's the way I think some people are viewing relationships and sex now. And I'm, we're seeing it time and time again. And that leads to um, the other thing that I really, I want to explore this one with you a lot. There was, I forget who it was. There was a woman who had written about this and I was so impressed with what she had said. And, and, I, and I, I wrote about her in Rise of the Sex Machines. She came up with a very brilliant concept, which is why so few women are actually seeking relationships altogether. And her argument was that why should she seek a man? She completes herself, right? She has the career. She has, she can get, the, she can buy whatever she wants. She's, she's great. Everything's good. And um, for her sexual thrills, you know, she can just pick, in, pick up Tinder and, and away she goes. Or if not that, then a sexual toy maybe. Okay. And likewise for the men, right? Uh, it's exactly the same thing. But this, this notion of complete, completeness is going away. Like in the old days, somebody would say about, you know, he completes me. She completes me. Better half. You've heard that expression. Jeremy Boyer. Yeah. Jer- exactly, right? I, 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 I'm not a complete person unless I have you in my life. Mm-hmm. This notion that you are necessary for me to be a whole person, to be complete. And we are lacking without somebody of the opposite sex. That is going away. And that was her point. And I thought it was so brilliant. Oh boy, I, I wish I could give her credit because I, but it's in my book and I, I just, I was so impressed with it. What do, what do you think? Well, I think today's term, instead of saying, uh, you complete me, it's, um, you, do you compliment me? You compliment mm. me. Interesting. And I do, I just literally just had a client this morning. Um, we were discussing this very thing where she is so self-sufficient. She's beautiful. She's doing amazing things in career for her age. She's, um, you know, on, on track to have a very lucrative future. Um, you know, I think women today feel like they have so much more certainty in investing in themselves. Mm-hmm. Why take a chance with a man? Interesting. And especially if their own father wasn't a great role model or they had a breakup or they've witnessed something. You know, people today, especially in COVID times, want certainty. And we do work, because I use the concept of law of attraction with what I do. Mm-hmm. And what you put out, you, you get back. So if you're operating at like a dim light vibration, mm-hmm. where you're not being your full potential self, you're going to attract back a dim light vibration in a partner as well. So when you do work on yourself, when you are, you know, balanced, you're emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, and you're a happy person and you're, and you're, and you're meeting goals in all areas, you are high vibe and you want to attract a high vibe back. But what happens when you become so high vibe, you don't need anyone, (laughs) you know? And, and I think that's where the balance is, is Making space for a partner because yes, it's it relation. You know, I work a lot with high, high powered people. They have such success in their careers and 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 they've traveled and they're beautiful and they're just so high functioning. But they're using that same success and they're applying it to relationships and it's not working out because mm-hmm. we don't have control over yeah. someone else's perceptions and thoughts and 
um, preferences. And we do have to learn the art of communication and compromise and active listening. And those skills may not be as comfortable or as used as someone else who can just manifest what they want to manifest on their own. And they have a lot more control in terms of where, because they're in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I work a lot with clients, especially with their dating profiles. It's one of my favorite things to do. We do, uh, <laughs> we do dating profile makeovers. Cause I can tell you, I feel like that is my PSA for America. Right. There's so many things people are doing wrong that if they just understood Basics, right. um, they could up their chances of high quality matches because it's not a matter of matches. You want quality over quantity, right? Yeah. Because yeah. who wants to waste their time today? All and I, I feel one too, you know, exactly. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to be blase about your profile, you're going to get blase results. Yeah, this is uh, it's fascinating. And that small changes making big, big results, right? Yeah. Uh, a, a little bit like the no problem versus thank you thing, right? It's a huge difference. And that's such a small change that one can make to understand one's apology language. Yeah. And, and it, can, it really can lift up a marriage. Um, but likewise with what you just said, uh, to me, the word need is very important. I, I see a lot of women, this applies mostly to women, by the way, not mm -hmm. so much to men, mm -hmm. but, but it still it does apply to men. Mm -hmm. it's, it's newer in the women department where... Take take example of your your client or, or others like her who are very successful, started their own business, they're very pretty, you know, get a lot of attention, um, you know, very self sufficient to use your words. She's putting off a vibe that she doesn't need anybody, right? Men and women are attracted to the notion that the other person might need you, and and they put out that vibe. Like you go to a singles party, at least in the old days when there were single parties, right? And uh, I remember going to them and, and people would look around like they're, they're looking, they're needing somebody in their lives. But if you don't need anybody, then you wouldn't be looking. Like, I don't care. I don't need it. If somebody comes to my life that, that's kind of fun to hang out with and we laugh every once in a while, that's cool. But there's this notion of needing is very important. So, and that, that does apply to men as well. I, I know more than a couple of men, and you know a lot of them who, who are, you know, doing very well. Uh, they've got a very nice apartment or house. They don't need a woman in their lives. And they, they might have, you know, many different women at seriatim uh, having some fun, and that's that. And, uh, and if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. And they just have no sense of commitment whatsoever. They don't need a woman. And this, this need is going away especially with our, our very confused gender roles these days with transgenderism and, and otherwise, and, and now trying to impose that upon you know, people who are not confused about their genders, like you and I. You know, you're all woman. I like to think I'm all guy. And, and so suddenly people are telling me, well, you don't know if you're all guy. You don't know if you're all woman. It's, it's uh, you know, who are you to say who you are? That's, that's a, a confusion that leads to kind of a, a needing madness or lack of need madness. One of the things I also changed, and I'd love for you to explore this, is <clears throat> one of the big changes in society, in the relationship world, and again, I wrote about this, is um, that we've gone from a culture where we say, you know, how can I, what, what can I offer to this other person? Uh, and, and what can she offer me in return? Um, this notion of uh, reciprocity. There's a, uh, you know, a half and a half. And now, in all the transgender talk, mm -hmm. 
it's all about um, how you can satisfy satisfy your own sexuality. That's it. It's all narcissistic. So how do you get your, how do you get your orgasm? That's that's all it's really all about, right? I get my orgasm through bisexuality. I get through my orgasm through pansexuality. I get my I'm an asexual. I'm a this or that sexual. And and all they're really saying is, this is what turns me on. But it's it's all me. It's all self-centered. It's not about what you can give to somebody else. Is that interesting? Yeah. Um, I love what you just said. It's so true. We did move from what can I offer this person to what can I get from this person. And the word need is very interesting because I think words are very powerful. First of all, before I go into that, in Judaism, in Hebrew, the word for ahava um, the, the root of it it's, it's is, love. Uh, ahava yeah. means love. Yes. The, the word ahava means love. And the root ahava is, comes from the word to give, latet. Mm. So, you know, and we, we, you know, Jews and Christians share the same Bible. So the, the, the essence of love is actually giving. Hmm. I did not know that. Yes. And I, um, and I feel like a lot of that's lost today because it's like, what can you do for me? What can you add to my life? Um, because I think, you know, sometimes pendulums have to swing one way, one way for the other and it should settle on the middle. I mean, that's where we see most success with everything. Balance, moderation is, is really the ideal. Um, but there is an energy when you say need because when you... Because I work with a lot of singles mm-hmm. who have been what I call the professional single, where they have been dating. I, God bless these people. They've been dating for over two decades. Right. So you can imagine how jaded they feel and how they feel like, <laughs> you know, it, like it's a job to go out again. And how is this one going to screw me? You know, it's just you could just I can't even <laughs> imagine. Like I got married young. I, I, I you know, I, I start I started dating my in my I was living in my 20s and my 40s because I've only started dating, you know, after my divorce and mm-hmm. was very grateful. That's another another topic, another another podcast. But um, and by the way, she's very pretty, man. I got to tell you, <laughs> she's brilliant. She's successful. And she's very pretty. So, Daniela Bloom. <laughs> and a huge patriot. But, okay. Anyway, um, coming from a place, you don't want to come from a place of need or lack because I'm working with these clients who, you know, they're in their 11th hour. They want kids. They're 40. What were you doing for the last 20 years? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden now it's like people say to me, they've come to me and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to get married. I'm like, well, what's been your longest relationship? Um, six months. And they're like in their 40s. And I'm like, okay. So basically what you're telling me is you haven't been to the gym in 20 years, but you're ready to run a marathon. Because that's the equivalent. Right. They are so relationship immature. They are so that, but they're, but because so many years have passed and they're desperate, that they're now, and you can feel that. You can feel that desperation, that need to, okay, now is the time. I got to procreate who's left, you know? So that's not a fun way to manifest. When you come from a place of, fear, pressure, need, the best way to manifest great experiences, and I, and I like to think I have done just that, um, is by understanding that you are open to them and that you are manifesting them to you. So you don't want to go to a singles party hoping to meet the one because that's the energy of desperation. Right. You want to go to a singles event or any event 
with the attitude of, I'm ready to make a great connection. Whether that's social, professional, or romantic, you're opened and ready for a great connection. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you how much work sometimes it takes to get clients just to be in that mindset. It, it's especially if you've been hurt and jaded or you're not over your past breakup, you got to be date ready because yeah. dating has the potential to be so much fun, all about discovery. A woman can feel cherished. A man can feel, you know, purpose driven and, 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 and his masculine. It can be a very healing fresh, exciting experience. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why you hear from people who've like met their wives or their husbands. Like they weren't planning on it. They were just like at this high moment in their life, they were traveling or they were at a party or they were this. And all of a sudden they met someone because they weren't focused on the meeting. They were just living in an open energy mm -hmm. of receiving, which is what I work a lot with clients with the difference between the energy of receiving and the energy of giving. Mm -hmm. And then magic happens yeah. because you allow it. I, I like that so much, Daniela. It's, it's such a great way of looking at things. Um, this, uh, you, have you seen the play uh, Hamilton? I assume you have. I haven't. I've okay. heard the music. I know. Okay. It's on my list. Okay. I, can't, but, I couldn't get tickets. Okay, but, yes. you've, you, but you've heard the music. Okay, great. So, and that's all that matters right now. There's a song called Helpless okay. where um, Eliza is first seeing Hamilton for the first time. Mm -hmm. And Angelica notices her. And he says, I looked over my sister and, and I can see that she is helpless, right? And, and they sing the song Helpless. Mm -hmm. and, and you can almost see her face. Without actually seeing the play, you can mm -hmm. see how she's lost. She's, she's, she needs to be with this man, Hamilton. And of course, he's very excited about her. But that sort of energy, that notion of like, uh, and, and they didn't look to, to date necessarily, but they saw each other and then that was the moment. The magic that you talked about. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But it's, you know, need, we, we can quibble about the words about need and such like that. But the idea is that you have to, you have to understand that it's not good to be alone. Yeah. And if you understand that and that you need a partner, yeah. you need a partner, yeah. put it that way, yeah. then, then there's that excitement to go search and find somebody. And, and I think too often with, with uh, a lot of successful women mm. and a lot of men, successful or not, um, they often feel, they, they, they put out the vibe like, I don't need you. What, what can you offer me? And, and I can tell you, I, I've, I've been, yeah, I've dated quite a bit before I got married. Yeah. And the women that I were, was attracted to is I had a sense that they were eager to be with me and I was eager to be with them. That, that, that worked. Yeah. And it's a vibe that, that a woman gives, a man gives. Uh, I, I couldn't care less. You know, if we have some fun, we have some fun, but that's it. Men will just say, okay, you don't seem to need me. If you don't need me, then I'll go to somebody who does need me. It's, it's just a, yes. it's, like, it's like water finds its old level, as they say, right? So just interesting. Um, just for, for fun now, because I, I heard your fantastic speech at the JRA. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really great. And you gave some tips to uh, men on the one hand and women on the other about what they could best do yes. to um, uh, revamp their yes. dating profile. Can you just summarize that briefly? I mean, of course. Again, I feel like it's on PSA. I need a megaphone to shout it to the rooftops. Um, I will absolutely answer that question, but I just wanted to um, address the other thing you said. It takes a smart, purpose-driven man to understand the value of a, a wonderful woman beside him. Yeah. So when a man comes with that intention to dating, where he is actually wired to meet a wife, 
that does set him apart. He is purpose-driven, and he's not going to be the guy who's going to text forever and not, never not make a date and just drag it on. He is focused. That's what's so attractive to a woman, mm-hmm. and vice versa. A, a woman who wants to nest, wants to nurture, understands a stable, consistent, loving man is the best thing mm-hmm. to raise a family. Yeah. And, and so you can tell the difference when people have that wisdom and covet a relationship mm-hmm. who are truly ready. Yeah. And those are the people where, where magic happens. But it, what happens is if they miss their chances in their 20s and they go on to this journey of he's not good enough, I'm in my career, then they lose that freshness, that intuition, and yeah. we got to bring that back. So how we do that is with an amazing dating profile <laughs> because dating online today it. is not a stigma. Well, back in the day, I met my former husband on J-Date. At the time, that was the very progressive thing to do. J-Date was just coming out. Um, you know, the, 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 the profile numbers were still just a, hand, you know, just a few numbers. They weren't like 10. And uh, you only had one picture. And it was way before, you know, apps and all of that. And that was the progressive thing to do because everyone was meeting at clubs. Now the progressive thing to do is to meet people in person because everyone's online. So if the masses are online, let's increase your chances of dating success online to offline. And it starts with your profile. So if you're going to do it, do it well. And of course, you can reach out to me after the show. This is what I do best. But in the meantime, here are some basics, okay? Because you only get one swipe to make a first impression. First of all, don't go where the masses go. Do not use Tinder. I should get an endorsement from Hinge because I plug them so much. Um, I like Hinge because it's advertised as the relationship app, and you don't just uh, swipe on pictures. You can swipe on what people actually have to say, which it, that in itself gives you so much information. Did this guy actually read my answers? Oh, my gosh, he liked my answers over my pictures? I like this guy. He reads. He pays attention. It's amazing the subliminal messages that happen between men and women, um, as they communicate. So one of the other things I do with my clients is we swipe together. I see how, I see them swiping in action, which people they're choosing, what their game is, what their responses are, and that's also a disaster mm-hmm. many of the times. But once people understand basics again, they're just encouraged and like, you know, I can do this. Oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it out. So first things first, your first picture, whether you're a man or a woman, uh, should be a clear picture of you, like a headshot. Think LinkedIn, where you're looking straight at the camera and smiling. You do not want any filters. You do not want anything else in the picture to distract, whether it's a beer, another friend, a car, a baby, whatever. <laughs> you you would be surprised. <laughs> and I'm right. That I, I will never understand when, yeah. when men who are looking for women post other pictures of women and women looking for men post yeah. other pictures of men. I just, but see, that's just it. The subliminal message is I'm not, I'm, I'm not really looking. Yeah. I'm half-assing it. So why would you want to? Well, but you also you know? said something, a very wise thing, and I think it was really wise for men in particular. Yeah. Uh, and I loved your answer, uh-huh. uh, but I want you to tell, tell men yeah. what they really need oh, to yes. focus I on. Remember what you, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> that stood out to you. Okay, so we got the first picture down. The second thing is for men now, I'm speaking to just men, for the love of God, keep your shirt on. Because women are not visual the way men are visual. We know men want to see the figure and because they, they're wired for production. They want to see curves and health. Mm-hmm. There's an actual biological reason for that. It's not the case for ladies. We would much rather swoon over a suit or a button-down shirt or a polo shirt. We want to, you to convey to us that you actually have a job. <laughs> I love that. I, it, it, and it's what I love about it is... The brilliance of it is so straightforward. 
And it so makes sense instantly the moment you say it. Like, duh, of course. Why didn't I think about that? And you get angry at yourself for not realizing it in the first place. Um, I, I, you know, it's very, very interesting because women and men really do see different things. Like you said, you know, you already explained what, how men think. And I think you're, yeah, you're, you're dead on about uh, the way men think. We are very visual. Uh, she's sexy. She's got great, uh, a great body. She has a pretty face. Okay. Uh, and I, and I, I had this talk with my daughter. I had to, had to have this conversation. And unfortunately, parents have to have conversations with their daughters, especially, and sons, but much earlier than they want to. But you have to have it. So I, I said to my lovely daughter, who's now 13, I said, listen, uh, when you think of a, a nice boy that you like in school, you think about the way he makes you feel, right? And she goes, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That's the... Does he make me laugh? Does he make me feel comfortable? Do I feel secure with him? Does he, does he make me want to have a skip in my step? And she goes, yeah, that, that's pretty much it, Dad. And I said, that's not the way boys think, <laughs> right? Boys think is, does she have a hot body and a pretty face? Maybe a nice smile. Yeah. And then it goes down from there. I have an old joke about this, by the way, and it's in my book. Um, what do you call a really hot woman who is... Uh, a drunk, uh, doesn't take good hyg- you know, care of herself hygienically, um, steals from you, lies, lies at you all the time, and is, uh, uh, you know, under uh, the threat of being arrested by the FBI. Hot. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> That's what you call it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. in other words... Everything else goes away, right? It's, it's hysterical, yeah. um, but that's how important it is to men. And uh, obviously, those other things, you know, we, we say, yeah, but she's hot. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. And, and it's so funny. I, I, I've seen myself in the dating world how, you know, this, this very hot woman wants to be with me. I mean, that's a reflection on, on how cool I am, you know, because she, she obviously thinks that, you know, she wants to be with me. And then you discover all these things. Okay. You know, you got to break up because, and, and, and the thing that all these guys say, yeah. and including myself, yeah. I, I was married once before uh-huh. and she was very beautiful, uh-huh. very beautiful, incredibly gorgeous uh-huh. body and, yeah. and a nice smile too and yeah. very funny. But the thing I, 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 I said to myself over and over ago, like, yeah, I just, I couldn't be with her. There were so many differences. She's a lovely lady in many ways. I don't want to uh-huh. say anything negative about her. But at the same time, we didn't belong together. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought, yeah, but she was so hot. <laughs> like, I was really giving something up. It was an amazing thing to myself. Uh, but fortunately, I, I met my wife uh, a couple of years later. And boy, I'm so lucky. I mean, I'm really just a beautiful lady and so funny and, and so intelligent and a little shy from time to time. Uh, she doesn't have that kind of like go go get her sort of attitude that you have, but I like it anyway. You know, either way. It compliments. It's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm more of an extrovert. She's more of an introvert, yeah. but it works out, and I'm I'm so grateful to God for for connecting us when we did and having the three beautiful children that we have. Anyway, um, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is more of a um, uh, and, and hopefully the, I think not hopefully, but. Unfortunately, the last point, because we're a little bit running out of time here. One of the things that I, I get con- very concerned about for young ladies, and I'm really speaking to ladies at this point, is this notion that they should wait to meet the right guy in, 
you know, when they got their career taking off, right? Usually 35, 36, sometimes a little bit younger, but basically in their 30s. And you hear this from a lot of women. I'm sure you do hear this all the time, right? I'm going to wait until I, you know, really, I'm a partner in a law firm. I, uh, I've, I've owned my own accounting firm, whatever it might be. I'm a doctor, you know, and then I'll look for the guy. Do you have any advice for women like that? You know, I have not had that specifically. I mean, I work with people all ages. So the girls I work with in the 20s, they do have ambition. Um, But if they're contacting me, they are serious. Mm. Because it means that, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Mm -hmm. So by the time they contact me because of my expertise, they're they're receptive to doing something different, which I always appreciate. It's not easy to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think there's a perfect time for anything in life. I, I think if people waited for the perfect time to get married, the perfect time to have kids, the perfect time to meet someone, the perfect time to take a vacation, life would not happen. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a – I like the way you brought it on to other things too. You're right, the perfect time. Uh, like Dennis Prager talks about this all the time, right, where he says, well, I'm not willing – he talks about people. I'm not willing to go to Israel because it's just not safe there. Once it's safe, then I'll go visit, right. which is never, <laughs> right? Because it's even Los Angeles is never safe, right? I mean, I, I think, frankly, it's more dangerous here in Los Angeles than it is in Tel Aviv. But you get the idea. The thing that I, I have noticed, and the reason why I bring it up is that... How do I begin? Okay, I'll, I'll start this with, the, with kind of a more of a metaphor. And it was an actual story. There was a bridge, I think it was in Missouri, and it was an arced bridge mm-hmm. like that. And it turns out that half of the bridge went out. Mm-hmm. Boom, like this. But from, from the other side, where the bridge was not out, it curved upward so that the drivers, as they were going, didn't see that the bridge was out. Mm-hmm. And naturally, it, they fell off of this empty void. Mm-hmm. And they just drove to their deaths, not realizing it. And it happened like 100 cars went like that. It's a really terrible story, right? And there were other people on the other side of the banks who were seeing what was going on, and they were waving their hands, doing whatever they could to no avail because people weren't, weren't figuring it out. And only when they went over the bridge, like, oh, that's what those people were waving about. Uh, but that was already too late. Why do I bring up this story? Because I think a lot of young women don't realize that the bridge is out at a certain point in their lives. Um, I know so many young women that don't realize how important their 20s are to them. This is a, a great moment for, for women. The women own the 20s, and I really want to make that... To me, this is from a guy's perspective. You own the 20s. You can have the, the most opportunity with the greatest guys during your 20s. Once you hit 31, and especially if you want kids, it's going to be harder. It just is. And I saw that with my sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom gave, I think, terrible advice to my sisters mm-hmm. um, because of her own experience. She said, don't even think about getting married until you're 30. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, <laughs> that's not a good piece of advice. Uh, by contrast, my mother-in-law, I think, gave very good advice to my wife and said, you really need to start thinking about meeting the right guy for you. You know, start looking very seriously at 24 and even more seriously at 25. And, and that's what she did. So I married my wife when she was 28. And, um, and we were very serious when she was already 27. Mm-hmm. So 
And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, uh, fertility, but also, you know, men, the way men think. You know, this is, and they, they find out that the bridge is out, so to speak, a little too late. So when I see a young woman saying to me, uh, I'm going to wait until I'm 35 or so, and that's when I'll, I'll you know, I'll receive, I'll, I'll uh, what is it, uh, I'll hold court and allow men to kind of come knocking on my door. Uh, not such a good idea. Now, life may end up that way. I get it. I totally understand that. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pursue that as a goal. I wouldn't say to, to a young woman today, wait till you're 35. Now, you didn't wait. And you have your, uh, till you're 35, you have three great kids. Yeah. And, uh, and unfortunately, and in a divorce. But that's not the point. The point is that you are able to have your kids now. And, and that's great. Yeah. But how many women do you know, and I know, who found themselves, you know, without children. They wanted to have children. And now they're, think, it's, it's a big problem. I think most women who want children would not say, I'm waiting till 35, because they understand. I mean, actually, there is a phenomenon with a ton of women freezing their eggs now. Yes. And they are doing that, um, you know, younger and younger, just in case. So they have a backup. And I don't think that's the greatest solution either. With everything in life, one of my mottos is, once you get clear and in alignment with what you truly desire, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. People are just not clear until sometimes it's too late. But you have to do the digging with them because they might be pushing off meeting someone until 35 because they're actually terrified. Yeah. There could be some trauma there. There could be some abuse. There could Very be, interesting. Yeah. yeah, there could be some fear. So... It's not what people should want or um, think they want. It's what is showing up for them right now. Like, let me meet you where you're at, and let's let's get clear on what you truly want. And I saw this with a client I'm working on, another client. She came in, and she's like, I just want a fantastic dating life. I want, like, high-quality men, and I just want to be in my feminine power. And, okay, I'm going to meet her there. And then as we started to work together and she was manifesting that, she's like, you know what? I realize I'm more of a one one man girl. I want one man. I'm ready for that. And it's like her her whole priorities changed as she started to give herself what she thought she wanted and she got clear, then she could be clear again. You know, sometimes you have to take a big step to the right and like step on a rock to actually look over the uh, mm. the forest to say, no, 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 that's actually where I want to be. But I wouldn't have known that if I didn't step up on this on this rock. And that's what a nice image, really nice image. Yeah. So that, that, you know, meeting people where they're at and getting curious with them mm -hmm. is really exciting and fun. And it's a privilege for me to do that, especially now that I can bring politics into it and <laughs> can't be canceled and I don't hold back. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the same reasons truly why relationships are falling apart today is the same reason our country is because it's all about the gaslighting. You know, if only you would change, it's all your fault. And then you have the the, the empowered victim mentality of if I just make a loud enough tantrum that I must be right, and it's all the same stuff. Wow. Wow, that's brilliant. You've, you've created it from the microcosm to the macrocosm. It's, it's, uh, it's really a nice thing. One thing I've always asked, I remember once, um, you know, I had, I had a girlfriend, uh, and we went to therapy together. It's a long time ago, couples counsel, and I found myself when I was searching for a therapist for, to help us, um, I wanted a therapist who 
for whom God was an important factor in his or her life. Mm-hmm. And intuitively, and I could be wrong on this, I, I, I don't know what your answer is going to be. Well, I have no clue. Of course. No, I, I'm, I'm sure about that. <laughs> that but but I, I always felt like if there's no God in the picture, in, in terms of therapy and otherwise, that it's not even a, a hint of it, then I, I wonder how successful um, the therapy can be. Um, because you can, you can help couples or, for that matter, individuals on the margin here and there, don't do this, do that. But you have to give them the big picture. Like you said, which I like so much, your image of stepping on the rock and looking behind, you know, the big picture. And, and isn't that true also when it comes to understanding what your role is? How, how can you understand your role in life mm-hmm. without having God in the equation as well? And I remember one therapist, and that very therapist that we picked, uh, he said, what, how's your relationship with God? He asked this of both of us, of each of us. And I, and I like the question, not just because I'm a God believer, but I, I, I saw right away he wanted to know that. Mm-hmm. And then he could work from there. Yeah. So what do you, th- what do you think? I, I completely agree because it gives you so much insight to how they see the world. Yeah. Because if you have a strong relationship with God, there's potential for accountability. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a place to start. If you, if you have no relationship with God, it's, it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. It's going to be a lot harder. Danielle, this has been such an intriguing and wonderful podcast. I love it. I, we went way over my usual podcast, but it warrants it. It was exciting. Uh, you are a delightful, uh, engaged speaker as well. And uh, tell us how they can find more about you, Danielle. Absolutely. Um, my my biggest passion today is speaking. And so if anyone would like in me to come to their stage, I will come in person because I am not afraid. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I, I work with clients, single, married, and divorced. Uh, you can find all the information you need as well as free videos and resources at daniellabloom.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-A, bloom, like bloom where you're planted, B-L-O-O-M.com. All right, so two L's on Daniela. Yeah. Okay, uh, it's wonderful. Thank you so much, and uh, God bless you, and may God <clears throat> see great things for you in your future, because I think that's what's going to happen. And, and blessings to your kids also, who, who no doubt have a, uh, a, a much better upbringing because of who you are. All right, folks, all the best. And in the meantime, this is Brock Lurie signing off, saying God bless, be strong, and we'll talk with you next week.